Sports, the universal language that everyone can understand. This is the Peak Performance Mentor Podcast. Each week, I interview coaches, sports industry experts, and leadership gurus to mentor you beyond the X's and O's on your quest to achieve peak performance in your professional life, professional career, and with the teams that you coach. I often say to, say to people, you're not responsible for your first thought, but you are responsible for your second thought and your first action. So grabbing a PBR during the course of the day, we have an initial thought that may not necessarily produce the results that we're looking for. We hit the pause button, little breath, little breathing, little reflection. Second thought comes into view, and now our first action so we can get to better performance. Our guest today is Michael O'Brien. Michael helps sales and marketing leaders who are juggling juggling it all to slay the internal feelings of worry and doubt so they can accomplish and complete success. Before starting his executive coaching firm, Michael spent over two decades in the pharmaceutical and bio industry in roles that range from sales to marketing to executive leadership. He is lucky to be alive. On July 11th of 2001, he was struck head on by a speeding SUV while out training on a bike ride. He considers it to be his last bad day and shares his journey from being a human doer to being a human being in his best-selling memoir, Shift, Creating Better Tomorrows, and donates all the proceeds to the World Bicycle Relief. Finally, Michael is an active volunteer and corporate sponsor for Healthcare Business, Women's Association, and an advocate for gender parity. He lives in Bergen County, New Jersey with his wife, two daughters, three dogs, and a cat named Rosie. Michael, we're excited to have you on the show. Welcome to the show. Is there anything that I missed or any little nugget you can share with us that we didn't get to before we jump into the uh, meat of the show? No, Christian, you, you nailed it, man. So I'm totally psyched to be with you guys, talk about peak performance, talk about that intersection between business and sports. I am, I'm all geared up, man. I'm ready to go. Well, great. So let's go ahead and jump into our first half, Michael. In our first half, we love to talk about mentors. Mentors matter. We know that mentors expand our vision. They help us see further. They stretch our horizons. They will help us see more by uncovering our blind spots where the real opportunities lie for our peak performance. Can you share with us maybe one or two of your mentors and how did they help you in your own growing? Yeah, sure thing. So I'm going to give you two. So my one of my first mentors was my little league coach right around the ages of 10, 11, and 12, uh, Mr. Ron Brown. And he, he really showed me and showed our team how to win in the right way with dignity and integrity and even professionalism, even though we were young kids at the time. But really, he instilled um, a, a lot of the, the right attitude and mindset in approaching our sport. Um, so that, for me, that was like a real pivot point in terms of like what it meant to be an athlete, not only on the field, but also off the field in terms of how we carry ourselves. And that was, that was key. In fact, uh, yeah. Key, can I, can I jump learner. in right here? Can I jump yeah, in right sure. here if you don't mind? Because there's two things just in that short little sentence that you said that I really want to, I want to tap into because I think it's really, really powerful. Number one, you talked about doing this at such a young age, that, you know, that we have an opportunity to really make an impact on people. And you said it was a, a major pivot point for you, even when you're playing little league 
ball that there was something that, that triggered in you. And I think that's important for us to understand is we've got to teach our kids how to do things the right way and we can do it at a young age. And, and number two, it, it taught you about mindset. I, I mean, I'd love for you to just really dig into that for us a little bit because I think there's something powerful. Yeah, so what Coach Brown shared, and I, I would echo what you just said, Christian, is like we have such a responsibility as parents, as coaches, as, as leaders, to coach our, coach our kids to show up in the right way, you know, with respect and, you know, professionalism and, all, and everything else in between. So it's the, but the mindset piece is that he, he really sh- shared with us, like, how to bounce back after maybe a defeat, right? So not, not only like we would win with the, the right attitude and mindset, right? And the right attitude and mindset helped us get to our victories. And we, we had a pretty successful team and I played all-star baseball. So the type of team that would, could go on to the Little League World Series. So he, he showed us, the, you know, that approach in terms of like really opening our mind up. But also I think and this is the key thing that he he taught me and taught us at a very young age is, is resilience. So how to bounce back after maybe a, a bad at bat, a bad inning, or even a bad game where you, you know, you had, you know, you had a loss. You, you just didn't play as well as you could have. So how do you, how do you find that resilience, that optimism, that vulnerability before we even knew what vulnerability was to come back, you know, come back to practice with a healthy mindset that we're going to get stronger because of it. And that's one of the big things he really taught us. Like, like sometimes our struggle in life can be the best things in our lives because they make us stronger, better, smarter, faster, you name it. Struggles are the best things in life. I love it. So let's, uh, let, you said you had two of them. What, who, who, was, who was your other mentor? So the other one is going to be a little bit uh, later in my life, in my professional life. He's the guy that helped me find my spark to get into executive coaching. I had him as a coach, as an executive, and he taught me a di- like the, sorry, the different angle of mindset, but still around mindset and the ability to lead from the inside. Right? A lot of times we, you know, especially for us guys, is that. A lot of times we wear the mask around at work, we believe, or the, the superhero cape. We have to be all that at work. We have to be all that at home. And we don't necessarily want anyone to see, like, what may be happening inside of us, right, in our mindset that, you know, it, as you mentioned in my bio, sort of slaying that inner critic, that, you know, that thing that talks to us, right, that sort of chirps at us, that are probably our worst boss ever, right? So yeah. we want to try to, hold that back. We don't want people to see that we're not all that in a bag of chips. Like, so we, we sort of shut out the inside from those around us, people that we're leading people in our adult life, you know, spouses, sometimes best friends, even sometimes our kids. So David taught me how to lead from the inside out where you could bring, you know, your sort of your full self, your full authentic self, uh, part of that vulnerability piece, the optimism, sometimes even, recognizing accepting that we are all human we all have worry from time to time but when we accept it we put it out there that acceptance allows us to take action so our mind like our mindset that inner critic doesn't get the best of us so often i see this we see it in sports all the time right we see it in business too where 
we uh, we get in our own mind. We get the you know we psych ourselves out. You know we do too much self talk. He taught me how to do that as a professional, like to quiet that little sucker, so we could go on to performing at our best. You know, sort of like just like your show. You know, perform at our peak. Um, the more we can get our our mind to quiet down, lead from the inside out, the better our performance is going to be in all aspects of life. Well, again, there, there's there's just w- a couple things that you've said in there as I as I'm jotting down notes, and I love to take notes as I'm as I'm you know doing these shows because I I just learn from you guys as as we're doing the show. And one of the first things that I I, I just want to tap onto because I've had guests that have uh, you know I know this about them, but we've never really talked about it. But you're the one that you really brought it up, and the fact that you actually have a coach now, even in your professional career. And I, what I would love to know is what, and this coach has become your mentor and got you to becoming an executive coach is what I heard you say. What, what led you to this desire at, 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 as you got into your professional career and you, and you started to change your seasons in life the, the, to lead to understand the value of continuing to have a coach and how important that was in your professional development? Yeah, great question, Christian. And so, so many people, so many adults out there don't have coaches, you know, in their business life. And, you know, obviously my answer might be biased because I'm a business coach now, but I pulled from my youth, right? So coaches in my growing up in my youth were so fundamental to help me get to the next level. And as I grew up, you know, I had a multitude of amazing coaches that shaped me into the, you know, the adult I am today. And I, I, I knew like, Coaches can help you, you know, not only get here, but it can also help you get there to that next level to like break through the status quo, break through your comfort zone. And as a dad, right, we would, you know, and I know a lot of dads and moms are out there. We hire coaches for our kids all the time, right? Maybe they're tutors, piano teachers, you know, traditional sports coaches. We do that all the time. We might go out to the gym and hire a personal trainer to help us work out. But then it comes to work, we're like, oh, we don't need a coach. And, and so the thinking sort of, you know, our thinking sort of falls apart when we get to work. And it's really just a limiting belief that we have that we go, well, we don't need that. We, we, you know, what will people say if I hire a coach? And what we find, you know, just through examining the greatest leaders, all the great leaders out there have coaches because they know that they need someone that can help them look in the mirror, that can be an accountability partner, like a great coach is, a strategy partner, like a great coach is, and just someone in their corner so they can talk to to get a fresh perspective that's objective, confidential, no judgment, and really just looking for them to become their best at work. Because the great coaching, you know, relationships know this, that if you can perform great at work, then you're going to perform great in your life. There's no firewall between work and life anymore. Like what happens at work comes into life and it also flows into how we parent our kids and how we coach our kids. So we, um, we basically have a limiting belief when it comes to coaching at work. If we can slay that, then it opens up a whole bunch of different possibilities. And, and I sort of took that attitude as I moved from my youth and all the great coaches I've had into my professional life. I knew if I wanted to get to the level I wanted to get to, I needed a coach by my side. Uh, that's I, I love the analogies that you brought up in there, and, and even the, the the point about 
we don't have those firewalls like we used to in our life. And there, there are so many things that are happening now. The world is moving so fast that I actually think coaches, and I think about this from, from when I'm, if I'm coaching a game myself, you know, and, and we shared that I, I'm back into the college game now and I'm coaching the college soccer game again, that sometimes we just have the ability to, a coach can help you slow down and, and see things for what they really are. And with as fast as the world is moving now and technology is getting us there, that having that, having that new set of eyes can be so powerful in helping you achieve your own personal peak performance. So let's speak a little bit about what, again, go into not only the importance of having this coach, but this one coach led you to lead from the inside, help you find your spark. Is there one question or a series, you know, or one thing, or one question that that coach really got got to you, or maybe that one question that you might ask your own clients that helps them identify what their spark is? Yeah, so, you know, going back to my time with David, and, and well, you know, I know later in the game, we'll talk a little bit about my big aha. So I'll save a little bit of that for the big aha moment in our in our conversation. But I'd say one of the big things, in fact, this morning, I was just talking to a client, and I, I asked him, like, well, where do you see yourself a year from now? And you mentioned it just a, a second ago, Christian, we're so busy we're almost like busy being busy. Like so many of us feel like we're hamsters on the wheel, just chasing our happiness and not really thinking about like, where do we want to go? And so my client, you know, high level executive at his company, C-suite leader. And I asked him like, well, where do you, like, where do you want to go next year? Like, where do you want to be a year from now? Like, you know, uh, you know, what are you doing? How are you spending your time? Who you're with? like all that in a, in a big, you know, big bundle. He was like, you know what? I've never even thought of that. I'm just doing. And, and he goes, this is going to be hard for me. I go, yeah, the thing is we want to set this vision going forward. And we know in sports that visioning is so important to peak performance, but we don't do it in our careers or our lives. So we want to sort of set forth like, hey, where do we want to be six months, a year from now? And then in order to get there, sometimes we have to let go of some things. So one of the things he was currently working on is like letting go of some of his day in and day out stuff that he could delegate to his team. So he had the bandwidth and the mind space to work on other bigger things, more strategic things for his company. But he wasn't necessarily approaching it with a level of thoughtfulness that was required. So we talked about that today and we're going to sort of map that out for him where he wants to go a year from now and understand the things that he needs to let go of sort of like that snake, you know, uh, shedding its skin in order to grow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like let, let go of that. So he has the freedom to do other things that are going to be important for his business and his company. Well, here's what I wrote down that I, I think is important. And, and you alluded that, you know, in the sports world, we do it, but I, I think at the same time, how we do it can be fine-tuned for a coach. And I think you, you actually reference some things that can even in the sports world. So I think what you, this one statement you said that I'm going to repeat for our audience is really, really powerful, and I want them to hear it again. I would like them to write this down, whether you're a coach, whether you're in the business world, whether you're a family man, whether you're a family woman, whatever you're doing, this is, this is important. Visioning is so important to our peak performance. And that we really have to stop 
and open our eyes and envision what we want our reality to become. And only through doing that can we manifest that reality. And I, 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 that, that's a fantastic way for us to end the first half. And I love that statement, that visioning is so important to our peak performance. Thanks for sharing that with us. No problem, Christian. Yep. Let's go into our halftime. And our halftime is those key points to help you in your journey. Uh, you know, Michael, we like to call these our speed questions, but not, sometimes they don't come across as speed questions, but we do our best. So we'll, we'll just roll with them as we go into our halftime. One thing that I do know about the people that I've studied that have been successful, that are achieving peak performance on a regular basis, is that they're always learning. They're always continuing in their own personal journey of learning and growth. Can you share with our audience right now a book that you're reading, a podcast that you listen to, some type of resource that you are using on a regular basis to, that you're using in terms of your learning journey? Yeah, no problem, Christian. The one book I'm going to recommend is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. It's not a long book, but it's a book all around trying to get past the mindset of resistance. Like the, the, you know, the inner, inner talk that we all have that holds us back from performing at the level we need to perform at. So the war of art. So people probably have heard about the art of war. So it's a flip on that. The war of art by Stephen Pressfield. Not long. It was one of the featured books in my Paceline Academy. So it's a title that many coaches or business leaders may not know about, but it's an awesome read uh, to really help us find like that that power within us to push past the resistance to help us get to the next level of performance. I actually, I, and I, I'll reference this on the podcast notes, everyone. I, I wrote this down. I'm going to have to go look this one up because I, I've never heard of this. And this is actually, uh, I, I've actually read parts of the art of war. Um, but uh, I, I just love, I'm, I'm really focusing on mindset a lot right now with, with even with my team and my own, in my own journey itself, where is my mindset and how that manifests my realities. And so I'm going to go check that one out. How about a daily habit? I know that, again, once again, successful people, people that are achieving peak performance, they're only getting there because they have a daily habit that they attribute to on a regular basis. What's your daily habit? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you three that can be interspersed throughout the day. First thing in the morning, 20 ounces of water. First thing I do body needs hydration to perform at its peak level, whether you're talking about the court or the conference room. So hydrate is my big tip and been doing it for years. The second thing I try to do is insert micro moments of mindfulness in my day. I call them grabbing a PBR, which doesn't stand for a past blue ribbon, which I know a lot of people are like <laughs> past blue ribbon, like yeah. you, you've got, you've captured my attention. And uh, no offense to PBR, but I do believe life is too short to drink bad beer. So a PBR <laughs> is not a is not a passive ribbon, but it's it's a pause, breathe, and reflect. We talked about this earlier. How busy we are, like the whole busy being busy, just rushing around and racing around. But a PBR can be great in between at at halftime, um, in between meetings, you name it, in traffic, where you just hit the pause button, you start. Just take a big deep breath in, count of four, hold for a count of two, exhale for a count of four, hold for two, and you do that for about a minute or two. And it does wonders in terms of slowing everything down, 
heart rate comes down a bit, blood pressure, and we use the moment to reflect around, hey, how do we want to go forward in our day, forward in the next meeting? I often say to people, you're not responsible for your first thought, but you are responsible for your second thought and your first action. So grabbing a PBR during the course of the day, we have an initial thought that may not necessarily produce the results that we're looking for. We hit the pause button, a little breath, a little breathing, a little reflection. Second thought comes into view, and now our first action so we can get to better performance. So that's the second thing. Third thing, I'd say gratitude. I started this after my last bad day um, and during my recovery, just five minutes before you hit the pillow every night, expressing gratitude for your little wins, your big wins in life, and you can even express gratitude for your struggle because your struggle can make you stronger. So I do that every, every night before I hit the pillow. It's a great way to close out the day because we all have things within in our performance that we can be grateful for. So those three things I would give the audience to put in their toolbox, if you will. Let's, uh, let's just do a quick little rewind. You are not responsible for your first thought. And then, and then where, where do we go from that? Because I, I, yeah, I want to really so, capture that. I want to capture this because yeah. I think it's, it's great. So we're not responsible for our first thought, but we are responsible for our second thought and our first action. It, it, comes, it comes down to this, Christian, like our thoughts drive our emotions, drive our behavior or action or performance, however you want to say it. So a lot of our thoughts that pop in our head they're part of sort of like our life experiences. Some people would say they're part of our programming, right? So we, we have a moment in our lives, maybe when we're younger and while we're playing a sport or just in life. And so it's natural to be really quick, right, with our thought, like this is happening. And then, then we're off to the races, right? So the tail's wagging the dog. But if we can be a little bit more thoughtful, the time between like the trigger or the event and our thought we can stretch that out just a little bit. We can maybe shift our perspective on our performance and then take, take our first action. So um, it all comes back down to having more mindfulness as we're performing in all aspects of our life. Ben, and what I love about what you just said, whether, whether we're talking about the sports world, this can play out so much as well as you know, in, in the corporate world and in our personal life, we we do we are responsible for our actions. But yeah. How we get to that first action? What you've just given us is, is almost that playbook to how that first action is going to lay out in our lives. And um and because once that first action is in play, it leads to it leads it leads us down a path. And sometimes the path is a little bit harder to get off of if you're going down the wrong one. Sometimes you can actually easily get off it, but you know, I, I equate it to mountain bike riding. Sometimes I pick the path that all of a sudden I'm down this path, and it's uh, why did I choose this path? Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, totally. You know, and, and you know, especially when you're out here in the desert of Arizona, and and uh, now you're not you're navigating the rocks, but you're also navigating cactuses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and hopefully not a rattlesnake. Yeah. Yep. So, so let's go to a quote. Uh, you know, being being in the sports world are filled with quotes. People you know, like to attribute quotes because they actually, a, a quote can trigger a mindset. Um, and that's what I love about quotes. Sometimes we need to get our mindset you know, refocused or re-triggered 
Do you have a quote that you, uh, that you like to share with people or a quote that is just near and dear to you that helps you trigger your mindset? Absolutely, Christian. So this goes back to Coach Ron Brown. I heard this quote when I was 10 years old. It's been my favorite quote for all the years since. Uh, he told us during the first team meeting, he's like, here's our, here's our mantra, our motto. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. And I didn't know anything when I was 10 about resilience. I didn't even know how to spell the word or perseverance or anything like that. But to me, that's what it spoke to. It's like, you know, we're going to have some tough times. And, you know, when the tough times come, like the tough get going. We, we, we continue to move on. We, you know, persevere. We're resilient. We fall down seven times. We get back up eight. You know, that's obviously a good old uh, Japanese proverb. But to me, that quote has stuck with me for all these years. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. What a great halftime. Let's move into the second half, um, Brian. And the sec- I, I love the second half uh, because the second half is where, where when we're talking with our guests and when I've studied, when I've studied great thought leaders, every great thought leader that I have ever studied talks about overcoming and embracing failure or adversity. And it is such a powerful thing. Uh, I, I like to remind my, my audience that on a regular basis, my 10-year-old son came home one day, and my 10-year-old son's a, a mini inventor of his own kind. And he came home one day from school, and he said, Dad, I learned something pretty cool today. He said, did you know Thomas Edison never failed in anything he did? He just found 10,000 ways it didn't work. Yeah. Have you found some ways that things haven't worked in your life and, um, and that didn't work that have allowed you to move into how they did work? Oh, absolutely, Christian. There's, your show is not long enough. So, <laughs> so I, I could share a whole bunch. But, you know, what I love about the Thomas Edison quote that your son gave you or experience, it, it goes back to this notion that all the events in our lives are neutral until we label them. Oh, so we can label wow. things. We can label things as uh, a failure. We can label them as an opportunity to try something new. And so I, so I, I, that's what I love most about that Thomas Edison approach, is that all the events in our lives are neutral until we label them. We, we just, so, just so happen to be so quick to label everything. We don't pause, right? We don't pause, take a breath, reflect on how we want to approach it. One I'll share with you and your audience is this was early on when I started my own firm. I I left corporate America. I had a really great career, 22 years in the industry. You know, it's sort of new into building my own, my own shop, you know, Peloton coaching. And I was second year in, I was doing a workshop. And the weekend before I was visiting my mom and dad and my family and things were a little dramatic. You know, you go back home sometimes and, mom and dad's health, not necessarily where they needed to be. And it was a very stressful weekend. And I didn't, I didn't practice my presentation and workshop at all. Just couldn't, didn't have the mind space for it. And I drove from Rochester, New York, where I'm from, to Boston, where the workshop was. I got to Boston about one o'clock in the morning. So the next morning woke up, wasn't well rested, still really stressed, really stressed out from just the tension of family and not practicing at all. And I got up and did the presentation, started doing the presentation. I just lost my train of thought. In fact, it was the first time 
you know, I had to like, I just pause and say, Hey, can we take a break? I was mortified. I was so embarrassed. I, you know, I was all in my head. I was like, ah, they're judging me. I was, you know, I was saying things to myself that not even my worst bosses ever said to me, like how, how bad I did, how much I suck and all, all this stuff. And I know your listeners have probably been there with their experiences. Well, the workshop ended and the rest of it didn't go much better. I got into my car, drove from Boston back to New Jersey. And for four hours, I didn't listen to the radio at all. I just sort of thought through it. And so for me, that was a real low point. But I knew this. I'm going back to the notion that all the events in our lives are neutral until we label them. I was like, well, how can I find a different label? Because the label I was having right there and then in the moment was like, you're a failure. You should close up this whole like entrepreneurial thing. You're not going to make this work. Give it up, O'Brien, right? So it's not going to, you know, Michael, you're not, you're not good enough to do this. But I knew like that type of thinking, that type of mindset was not going to help me, you know, grow my business, help provide for my family. So I took it as an opportunity to have a wonderful teaching moment and I could share my teaching with other people. So the very next day I got up, uh, I wrote a blog about it. I did some journaling about it. I, you know, I did a, a podcast on it all in an effort to sort of share, sort of share my goof up, <laughs> um, <laughs> but also share the experience around like how our, like how, how life, the situation with my family and a lack of prep can impact performance. Right. And we sort of know this just being an athlete, like if you don't practice, you're not going to really play all that well, but all the other, you know, stuff that can come into your head from your other aspects of your life, how that can impact performance whether you're playing a sport or you're again in a conference room and and i that hit me hard that day and 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 it was a you know it was a really tough day but a really wonderful moment after because i learned so much about not only about myself but how to bounce back but most importantly gave me an opportunity to share it with others well i i just i i love the show from the whole standpoint of of my own growth and my own journey and and here we go again with something that you said that was the lack of preparation can affect your performance now we know this to be true in the world of sports we we see it on a regular basis that's why we practice right we and, and we we're, we're on practice we want our players we want our athletes to do better so they go out to the field they go out to the track they go out to the court and they're always doing preparation so that it can help to lead them to a peak performance but if we really want our, our audience out there, you want to have your own peak performance, whether you are in the business world, and I'm even talking about coaches, athletic coaches. Athletic coaches out there, what are you doing right now to prep so that you can achieve peak performance for your own athletes? As a coach, yep. I, I intentionally must do some preparation myself. If I want to get the most out of my own athletes, I have to be involved in my own preparation in order to get the most out of them, I have to be achieving peak performance. And you know, I'm, I'm just going to inject a little story in here. The other day, we uh, we had a I had a practice session, and after the practice session, we go into the classroom with my team, and we usually spend anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour in the classroom talking about mindset. You know, we, we Michael, we we just spend mindset with my team. We don't even talk about X's and O's. We're just focusing on yeah. mindset. And we, it was one of these sessions where I had to move my college, my daughter up to college, 
And so we had, and by the time I had gotten home from moving her up to college and everything, when I got to the uh, got to the session the next morning and we finished our practice session, I wasn't ready. I I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. And in the past, I would have gone ahead and done it. And I looked at my boys and I said, guys, we're not going to the classroom today because I don't feel I can give you my best. And you want to know what? I think they respected me more for that than trying to BS them in the classroom with something that I wasn't prepared for. Um, uh, so I love, I love that. You know, I love, I love how honest and really like vulnerable you were. Like, hey, you're not ready because what traditionally happens, right, Christian, is that we just plow forward with it, right? And we don't, we don't do our best, and it does that doesn't help anyone. And because there's this pressure, like, what are they going to say? And, you know, so I felt that. Like, I knew, like, before I got up from my workshop, like, Michael, you are not ready to deliver this. You have not, like, your mind, your mindset's not right. You're not well rested. You haven't practiced. But I didn't feel like I could have, like, said to my client that, you know what? I, I just can't do this. I'm in, I'm in a funky spot. And I'm not going to give you my best. Can we find a way to reschedule? You know, you know in hindsight, that's what I... I learned about myself that I should have done, like I, I will do the next time. But in that moment, I just didn't feel like I had the courage to do it. But you did, which I think is awesome. Yeah. So, so the, really, the message is out there that you know you, you've got to do your prep, whether whether you're in sports now or you're you're in the corporate world, wherever you're at, that preparation is key, and it needs to be built into your schedule. It needs to be built into your calendar. Um, I, I recently just did a workshop also on, on disc assessment, and before every single workshop that I do, uh, particularly in the disc assessment and and the work, I I have a video that I go and watch, and I've seen this video probably. 40, 50, 60 times, but I still watch the video before I go into the workshop because it, it, helps, it helps with building repetition into our lives. Repetition leads to peak performance. So sometimes we've got to get our mindset on what works and, and can we, and we talk about the learner's journey, really peak performance. Can we get to that, can we get to that point where we are, are having, we're, we're operating on autopilot and sometimes it just takes a reset button by watching a video or reading through something that you've done in the past. So can you, can you share with us maybe one more, just one more little uh, adversity or failure that you've experienced in your life that is, has led you to achieve peak performance? Well, I'm going to give you my big one. It's the last bad day was when I got hit head on by that Ford Explorer out, um, on my bike ride. And that, that to me was my, my seminal moment in my life and totally lucky to be alive. I broke a whole bunch of everything. And I remember, I remember that morning, you know, clear, clear as day. And I, I remember telling myself as I got lifted onto the medevac helicopter, that was going to take me to the trauma center out in New Mexico, that if I, if I live, because I knew that was in question based on what was happening at the scene of the accident, that I would stop chasing happiness. I was really, prior to my last bad day, I was, you know, I was, you know, 30, 33, married seven years at the time. We're going to be married 25 years to come next May. Uh, my, my daughters that were really young, three and a half years old and seven months old at the time. So I was a new dad, you know, recently married, right? And trying to juggle it all. And I was really good at chasing happiness. One of the favorite sentences was, well, I'll be happy when. I know a lot of your listeners out there probably also say that. Well, 
I'll be happy when I get this job. I'll, I'll get this new car. I'll be happy when this is over. I'll be happy when. And I was really good at that. And the thing is, sometimes I would catch it, you know, but then happiness, you know, when you're in chasing happiness mode, it can be really fleeting and, you know, sort of vanishes and it's like a, a vapor finish line. And I kept on chasing it and chasing it and chasing it. And I was never really present in life. And I think this is a big thing. What I learned a whole bunch of valuable lessons through my recovery, but one was the value of being present in the moment. You know, you play the play right in front of you, which is so key in, oh, wow. in sports, <laughs> wow. right? But it's also so important in life, right? That so often when we're outside the court, like we're, we're thinking about what happened yesterday at work or in our life, or we're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow, and we're not here, like, here for ourselves or here for the people around us. And so one of the most valuable lessons I learned through my recovery was just the value of being present. Play the play that's right in front of you. Play the point that's right in front of you, uh, as opposed to just chasing happiness all the time. Wow, that that is just fantastic. Play the play that's in front of you. And but I think we can we can we can piggyback on this even further. So Earlier in the show, we talked about visioning being so important to your peak performance. So if you have a vision and you have, you've done the visioning what you want your reality to be and you have the mindset to live into that envisioned reality, it's very easy to play the play that's in front of you because you're, yeah. no, lo- you're, no, longer, you're no longer chasing something. What, what you've envisioned and what you want your, your reality to become is already in your mindset. So now you can just focus on what's in front of you and, and life will take care of, of giving you, it's going to throw you some hiccups. It's going to throw you some road bumps. You're going to have some, you're going to have some fumbles. But if you stick to the play that's in front of you and not worry about what's happened already and you can't worry about three steps ahead of you because you don't know what's going to happen, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be in the right place. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's the power of detaching from the outcome. Right. So we, you know, let's take football, for example, we want to win the Super Bowl. Right. So that's the vision. We know that's the prize. But focusing on that takes us takes our focus and energy away from our ability to play like the down that's right in front of us. So so we set a vision and then and this is hard to do sometimes detach from that outcome and be present because being present on each play building together string those plays together that's what that's what drives victory for all of us regardless regardless of where we're playing exactly what what a great what a great uh, second half we've just had and that's going to allow us to walk into that wa- locker room and we go into the locker room right i i love the locker room because the locker room for me is is about your legacy and I'm going to go, I, again, I refer back to the people that I've studied because for me, I, I've, wanted, I've wanted to learn from the best to become the best. And as I've, as I've followed other coaches and I've talked to other coaches and I've talked to other really successful people, my own mentors, I've asked my own mentors what has led them to achieve their own peak performance. And one of the things that always comes out to play that I, I never even thought about at the time until I got into my own growth journey was they have a desire, a strong desire to leave their legacy. And um, it, it's about, the, it, and when we define what that legacy is, it's about what are they passing on to others? How are they, they going to impact the world once they're no longer here? 
And so let's go into this locker room and let's talk about our legacy questions. And my first legacy question for you is what was your big aha moment in achieving peak performance in your life? Well, for me, it certainly came out of my last bad day recovery. And I share, I share these three. Actually, I share 20 ways of showing up in my book for the readers. But the first three I led, lead with is basically, you know, aware, awareness, uh, acceptance, and then trying to take some action, right? So and a lot of times we don't have great awareness around how we're showing up and in reality and all that jazz like that. So having, having awareness around us, so it's, it's the ability to be present, so take it all in, try to have um, perspective that maybe gives you a 360 view of the court, acceptance in terms of like not arguing with reality, but accepting that it is what it is right here in front of us. So not trying to fight it and resist it or control it or repress it, but accept that. And then from there, we can be really, you know, thoughtful about how we want to move forward. So I use those three A's, the awareness, acceptance, and action. I used them in my recovery, but I also took them into into my corporate environment. I still use them, you know, in sport today because after my horrific accident, I'm still back on the bike and I'm still racing. So I still use awareness, acceptance, and action as a way to sort of propel me forward. And I, I love awareness. I love that you started off with awareness. Um, again, in my in my own journey, that this is one of the things that I've really, uh, really started to focus on is I can't be aware of what's going on around me until I become aware of what's happening around me. So I'm not. I can't. I can't be. I might not even see the roadblocks if I don't become aware of what's happening around me and having this this awareness of of what I'm thinking, what's happening in my surroundings, how are things uh, progressing. And once we, once we open up our own mind to some awareness, like you said, then it actually becomes easier to accept the situation, I think. Once you say that, once you, once you have some awareness, the acceptance parts becomes a little bit easier. And with acceptance, then you can take your action. I, I love where you're going with this. Yeah, no, absolutely, Christian. I think with awareness, you can have that acceptance and acceptance isn't um, about being satisfied w- with it, right? right. It's, it's right. not like, well, you know, like, well, well, here, here are the cards I'm dealt and ex- just accepting it. Like I'm going to just be satisfied. No, it's about accepting what's real that's in front of you and like all the facts and sort of accepting the truth. Right. So from there, that's the action. So it's not about this, like, playing a victim to your circumstance and you just got to accept it. You, know, you got to take your cough syrup. It's not about that. It's about, Hey, here's what's right in front of us, you know, and, and not, not arguing with, yeah, what's the reality that's front and center. Right. So, um, it, cause we've spent time doing that. We're not spending all of our energy to put into our game. So one of my mentors, Brian, made said this statement one day in one of his teachings that I was, I was, I was, I was at the uh, uh, IMC with the John Maxwell team, and this was one of his one of the things he sat there and said, and I wrote this down, and it's it stayed with me from here on out because it's something that I ask everyone. What do you know that I need to know in order for me to grow? Wow, that's a great question. So 
I'm I'm a big believer in this is everything is figure outable. I love it. I, <laughs> I I I a lot of times you know we get in our own head, right? We've talked about my my mindset, you know, for the last few minutes. But we we get we get stuck, right? Like we don't find a way out, we, like because we, we're just we're stuck and we think that life is just giving us a binary choice, the black and white. I I love the beauty of gray. Like um, you know, as I'm talking to you, Christian, I have one of my bikes in front of me and it's painted gray. You know, it's a great like battleship gray color, and it's painted gray for a very specific reason because I I love the color because in between the shades of gray, not the 50 shades of gray, that's a whole other topic, right? <laughs> so, but the shade, within the shades of gray, in between the black and white binary options that most people see in life, there are so many wonderful opportunities. And for me, I really try to work with my clients, I work with my kids, you know, people I coach, to try to find, okay, you got two binary options on the ends of the spectrum, black and white, but where are the gray, where's the shades of gray? Because within those shades of gray are probably some wonderful opportunities for us to see, for us to take advantage of. So I'd say everything is figure outable. If we take that approach in life, it helps us shift our perspective that much faster. Uh, I, I tell you right now, just mind blown right now because I, 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 I just saw your spectrum. I saw, I saw black on one side and I saw white on the other side. And where we think of black as being the no, 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 even a slight bit of white that goes into that black creates an opportunity. You I mean, bet. I, that's just that 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 was mind blowing. Uh, just I just seeing that I, I saw the visualization right in front of me that if I can change that shade of 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 black slightly, then there's an opportunity. There's something yeah, that can be. Yeah. Wow. You open the door just a crack, right? And it and let's be fair, right? You know, it may not be the the most attractive, sexy option, but it's an option, right? And it's it's something to play with because five seconds ago you didn't see any option, so we're just opening the door a crack, and we can sneak in there. Just you know, we don't need we don't need a lot of room to operate, but we do. We just need a crack to operate, and that that get a toe in there wow, you know, we get a toe in there and then we can start, you know, maybe playing our game at a higher level. Uh, fantastic. Well, hey, as, as we uh, go into our post game, let's go into the post game. The post game, I want to be able to provide our audience with an opportunity to know a little bit more about you, reach out to you. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do from an executive coaching standpoint. Yeah, so I, I do a couple different things with my executive coaching firm called Peloton Coaching Consulting. And one of the big things, as we mentioned up front, is I, I help with mindset of executives. So I do a lot of one-on-one coaching with executive leaders, a lot of sales and marketing and operational leaders. I also do public speaking. I'll do keynote, keynote talks. And you know, what, what I do is I share my near-death cycling accident with folks, the story of shift and my recovery, the importance of resilience, a great mindset, and a really strong peloton. That's my metaphor to a team or a tribe and making sure that's as strong as possible. And I have something really cool that I just launched at the end of July for all those people out there that may not necessarily have access to an executive coach through their company called the Paceline Academy. And it's geared, it's an online 
Learning Academy for those interested in growing and developing not only an amazing career, but a, a wonderful, vibrant mindset. I, I call it complete success. When you have success on the outside, and you also have a lot of success within. And it's a, a monthly program. You get books like the, 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 War of, the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield and some others, plus access to coaching, all at a really, you know, something that's really affordable. So I have all those three offerings with my, with my firm. One-on-one executive coaching, keynote talks around my recovery and the value of mindset and a strong Peloton, and of course, the Paceline Academy. So, and so can for me, it's, yeah, the, people can find me on my website. That's the best place, um, michaelobrienshift.com. And Christian, for your listeners out there, I have a little resilience quiz because we need that in order to have peak performance. So you can take a little quiz on uh, how resilient you are and learn how to develop more of it. All they have to do is send a text to uh, 72000 and just text in the word shift. So text shift to 72000, and you can take the resilience quiz and uh, see how resilient everyone is out there. Sounds good. Well, Michael, thank you for coming on the show. It's been just a joy to hear about your journey, um, where you've gone, and I, you've got brought some, just some great value to our listeners from you know, the idea of visioning, from understanding what it means to uh, you know not have that bad day, stop chasing the happiness and play that play that's in front of you. And, and as we finished out that, you know, everything is figure outable and that, you know, there's always opportunity in the shades of gray. And uh, I, I just know that I'm going to walk away today with, with a whole new mindset on how to achieve my peak performance in my life and with the teams that I work with. Once again, thank you for being on the show with us today. Thanks, Christian. And hopefully all your listeners got a pearl or two out of it. It was awesome to be with you today. Thank you for listening to our show today, the Peak Performance Mentor Podcast, where we use sports, the universal language that everyone can understand to mentor you on your journey, your journey to achieve peak performance in your personal life, professional career, and with the teams that you coach. This has been a production of Volta Sports and Leadership.